Hello and welcome to Hello from the Offside for our saddest episode ever today. Uh, you've got three of us, three of us with you. Maybe Davis joining later. We'll see. Uh, Colin, I'm. That's me. I'm here. Brad, Brad's here. Say hi, Brad. Hi. Renee's here too. Oh, there you go. You can tell Renee's here. Uh, You're welcome. God, I think you mean you can tell the Sheik is here. Ah, the Iron Sheik. I think we had a link to that. That's, that that is Brad. the perfect emotion after I, qualifier. Yeah. I did put that just for Renee. I, I linked to that in that article I wrote. Well, it's Literally, there. that was the only reason I used it. It's there. We'll get to it for a long time. <laughs> but first, uh, let's let's talk about the EPL. Um, I'm just going to jump right in with Everton real quick because they're garbage. They tied Brighton home Al- home Brighton home Albion Brighton and Hove Hove Albion one one. Yeah, they're owned by they're owned by Jay Z. It's Hove. Get it right, Jesus. Oh, that's pretty good. That's a good joke. Uh, they tied like five minutes ago and it was garbage. So yeah, they really need an attacker and they don't have one and it's a disaster. Uh, the end. Who was who's next? Uh, Chelsea allowed Crystal Palace to score two goals yesterday and lost, so that's not good. And Davis probably is very pissed about it. Yeah. Uh, United drew Liverpool, and that's okay. I'm not mad about it. But now we are two points behind City. On the road. Yeah. Yeah. City, City's playing okay. Shut up. City is an engine that is very finely tuned. That does yeah. not score less than four a game. So they're looking pretty good. I, as long as terrifying. as long as they uh, can keep that up in the Champions, then we'll be then it'll be good. Cool, cool. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much else. The EPL's been on a super long break. Each of our teams have played like one game since Brad and I recorded last week. Um, yeah. So let's uh, the real nitty gritty. Nitty gritty. Um. Well, that just activated uh, my Amazon Echo. That's hilarious. Um, so the US hey Alexa, she play can't... it ain't my fault. Oh God, she can't hear you. Um, the USA played Trinidad and Tobago last Tuesday in Trinidad, lost two to one. Panama beat Costa Rica either three to two or two to one. Honduras beat Mexico either three to two or two to one. Honduras won three to two. Team won two to one. Panama won two to one. Bad. Which knocks the World Cup. Knocks the World Cup out. Canceled. No more World Cup. (laughs) We're boycotting it. It was canceled anyway for Russian interference, right? Yeah, we're boycotting it. He's going to show up. He's going to. I think that's what the special inspector Mueller. Mueller? Mueller? I think that's what he's looking into. Mueller is Russian Facebook interference. On the U.S. Soccer Facebook page that prevented us from getting to the World Cup. That's you guys, 100% what it is. No, so Hashtag I'm with her. <laughs> I don't appreciate my, your no-selling of my Pacific Rim joke at all. I missed it. What was that? I said we're going to have to get Idris Elba. He's going to come. Oh, uh, are we canceling the World Cup? Come to the draw, and he's going to get up there when they're about to draw the balls. Gross. And he's going to say, tonight we're canceling the World Cup. And then... A giant robot's going to come in and kill everyone. In the world. Oh my God. That's actually terrifying. Yeah, really, really dark. That's what happens in my fever dreams at night. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. So, what happened, guys? What happened? That's all I got. What happened? Garbage. Well, 
our worst nightmare. Garbage. No, let's not go that far. Tell the worst nightmare. Let's talk about the game first. Uh, what went wrong in the game, Brad? We scored on ourselves, and that was not good. Was bad. And we did that right out the gate, which basically played right into what Trinidad and Tobago was going to do, which was park the bus. So, uh, And we've seen throughout all of qualification, we have not been able to break down teams that park. And if you can park well and then smartly counter – you will beat the U.S., and that's exactly what happened. Renee, Renee what happened for you while my dog barks? <laughs> um, I'm in there with, with Brad. I kinda, I'm, I'm in agreement with what he's saying. That, well, it was kind of weird, and obviously as someone who hasn't been on that stage, what was kind of weird is how um, almost lackadaisical, the lackadaisical attitude of some of the players seemed like. Like they were just – they were just – or it looked like that the other games would protect them enough that would allow them to go into the World Cup. Because even after that own goal, it, I never felt, outside of maybe Pulisic, I never felt that there was any sort of um, sense of urgency uh, in that game, which was kind of in, which was interesting and troubling to see. And, and that Until sort of... Dempsey came on and hit the post. And, and, and that's sort of like... It's tough to see on, you know, a goalie or sorry, not a goalie. A uh, on the standpoint of a coach or even your assistant coaches, um, say what you will about that old man Dempsey. But it it was just it was just sad to see um, that occurring. On on another part, and I know I've I've joked about it before. Um, it's weird that you know you you hear of high schools and the NFL and everything and how they're able to have like. 15 different types of cleats for the different type of playing services that we're playing in for the amount of money that we're getting from Nike. It was insane to see some of our players just like slipping and falling over and not having a control of the turf. And I get that it's, but that's, and I get that it's CONCACAF, but that's what we should be prepared for is going down and playing in these types of surfaces. And meanwhile, Trinidad is having like no problem playing on their, on their own grass. So something so simple for the amount of money that we get is just insane. I totally agree with, uh, with that point, especially, you know, both teams had these conditions and I think that's what we overlook a lot. We're like CONCACAF is happening to us. We think instead of, you know, CONCACAF is happening to both teams. Essentially they have a significantly different revenue stream for the, the TNT football team down there, soccer team. And they had to plan it too. They, I, I mean, I think the, and I think a lot of the soccer media kind of in the U.S. probably went overboard calling out them and, you know, saying river to Russia and all that crap. But, like, they did a good job getting the field to be playable for that game. It was muddy, but it wasn't worse than other fields we've played yeah. on. Yeah, shit, we, we had Costa Rica play in a fucking snowstorm. So, like, that good, just happens. Good job for TNT and their, like, uh, grounds crew getting that ready to go. But they also had to play. It was yeah. level playing field. Um I honestly didn't think the field looked that bad. I mean, pregame, like, obviously there was, like, water on it or whatever. But it didn't like, look bad, but you can see a good amount. I remember being sitting with Colin and being like, oh, there are another, another one of our defenders fell or some, another one of our forwards just slipped. For like, yeah. like they were afraid to get injured instead of, like, they felt like they had to try to win. Yeah. Like, I, and I've played like that. When you're not wanting to get injured, you don't go into tackles. You don't 
you don't take that extra step. You run cautiously. Like your, your mind is not fully switched on and it's dangerous to yourself. It's more dangerous than playing hard. Um, I think to, to your point, Renee, that the players were lackadaisical. I do agree. I, I think a little bit of that has to do with the super high energy match they had to play against Panama just kind of days before. Um, I was, I was, will admit that I was happy when they put out the same starting lineup. I was like, cool, this looks like we're going to go for it. But um, it was a mistake. Like, I think we probably should have seen a lot of changes, six to seven changes or something. Maybe just leave him for a half, take him out. Uh, definitely not play Omar. He was garbage. Um, it's and- it's crazy that after we won four to nothing, I was like, hey, they got issues. And Cole's like, no, they don't. So. Well, they did no, they they defense was okay, uh, and I, I will talk about the the setup. I think when when we talk about you know what Bruce got wrong, but yeah, it was just it's a sad disaster. Um, so so we talked about kind of what happened, how the game went poorly. You know, kudos to to Honduras and Panama for doing exactly what they needed to do to get in and taking you know taking their future into their own hands. That's you know. Good for you guys, Concacaf brothers. I, I hope you do well in the World Cup. Make us proud. Um, I'm super excited for Panama because uh, they've never been, so that's pretty cool. I mean, it sucks, but like, good for them, man. They seem genuinely happy, and uh, yeah. Roman Torres, I like him. So good for uh, good for um, freaking their goalie too. I can't remember his name now. Pinedo. Good for him. Yeah, he's he's had a roller coaster of a career in life. That'll be cool. All right, so then. We talked about what happened. Who do you blame for this? I know blame is, you know, something we don't necessarily have to assign to one person to maybe we can, we can talk about a bunch of people, but who do you specifically think what, who is at fault for our failure to qualify for this world cup? Renee. Um, I think as much as it, as much as it pains me as being a Mark, I think Bruce deserves some of that blame. I think you're right in the sense that, he came in, we had some wins, um, and he came in with this mentality of when I was coach, I was successful. Look at the Galaxy. I just came off of an insane Galaxy season. Um, and things that were – I think things that I lauded him for then should have been red flags when he just brought in his enti- – he gutted the Galaxy coaching staff. He brought all of them in, and – I remember at that point, I was like, this is great. These guys have been great with the Galaxy. It's going to be fantastic, all the dudes that he's bringing in. But it's clear that he was just comfortable, and he wasn't looking to change anything of who he was or maybe even think of what needed to be done to make the World Cup. It just seemed like he had a system, and the system's going to work. And I guess that's where you bring someone in. So whatever. I think that part of the blame blame goes to him. Um, I think the other part goes to... Uh, and I know, I know, we're maybe different on this, but I think definitely Sunil gets some of the blame. Um, I mean, regardless of of if he has any active doings in what how the team works, at the end of the day, you're the captain of this ship. Um, like you're the dude in charge. And I get everything about how the women have been very successful in their own World Cups, but if you look at our shit, we've missed. Um, We've missed, we've missed Youth World Cups. We've missed the Olympics. Um, and now we're missing this World Cup. So, I mean, it's, it, it, lands on, it lands on you. And I think it's just, it's just crappy that we're in this situation. But 
um, it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I'd give it to those two. Obviously, the Jurgen train. I mean, we were in a hole for a long time just based on how we were getting here. I think. Um, and you're gonna two matches in the hex. How many did Bruce lose? Yeah. Three. Three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So I think it's a lot, and bad. I think yeah, I think it goes. It's bad, and that's my biggest thing. Is I've been thinking about it. I was. I was gutted that he took everyone from the galaxy, but excited that he had brought everyone over because of the high that I was in from that galaxy season where these people were taken from. Um, but in hindsight, it's just like that galaxy team was not going to make the World Cup, obviously, and that galaxy mentality is not what we needed to go in. So those are my those are my two for now. Three, two, three. I, I do want to before Brad before you go. I do want to kind of oh, that's fine. to one of your points, Renee, that I think was really interesting when you're talking about Bruce gutting the galaxy. Um, <laughs> it seems to me, and I just sort of thought about this now. When is the last time this before the even with the U.S. You know, when's the last time Bruce had to manage a team that was either on level footing or slightly below another team, or just had to get a result? It's a good point. I can't remember. The Galaxy remember. the most resources of any team in MLS forever. Yeah. And yeah. what he was used to. Yeah, no, you're right. I can't. I can't. Anytime the Galaxy are in the playoffs are the only time they ever had to play for a result. That's fair. Because you have to advance in the playoffs. That's like the only, like, that sounds dumb, but like. It's true. In regular season games, you're right. They do kind of have, I mean, and that's nothing against the Galaxy. They built a good system, you know. They've done things their way. They have have a great stadium, great facilities, you know, have brought in players. But, you know, other teams are playing catch-up. Like, Agreed. you know, the Galaxy yeah. are the standard of the MLS yeah. and have been for a while. So yeah. I agree. And maybe that's a point we can talk about later when we talk about who to hire. Maybe you have to have an MLS coach that's not coaching, you know, not Greg Vanny, who gets to coach with Michael yeah. Bradley and Josie Altador and Giovinco, but a guy who has to coach – with fewer resources or with a different team setup, you know, like Perea does. And are you hoping uh, for the Crapids coach? Is that, what uh, <laughs> Is that what just happened? Did I black out? Like, like Oscar Perea does for Dallas. Like um, even like Caleb Porter does. I know they've, they've got some resources in Portland, but they're still, he's doing yeah. that. Fernando Adi, who I think is vastly. Yeah. 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 You're right. And the difference of trying to like squeeze out as much excellence from someone as opposed to, like, oh, I have Donovan, I have Robbie Keane, I have, huh. I have Gazi on like the best, the best timeline. Gazi Sardes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay, interesting point. Brad, who do you blame for this? Uh, I just thoughts and prayers, you guys. Um, Check out that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you're bored, you can read it. Um. So I I mean obviously I have my opinions I think, but um you know I like to the whole thing kind of falls back on the players. Like we can blame coaches. We can blame uh, Gelati or Galati. I'm not exactly sure if it's a J or a G sound. Anyone? Any help? All right. Okay. I think it's Gulati. Yeah. Gulati. Gulati. I honestly have no idea. So I feel bad. So Sunil, um, I, I mean, I, he's the president uh, who has no soccer experience. I find it kind of hard to blame him for this. Like, he was elected, and like I said, he has overseen very successful women's teams, but the women's women's team could be winning despite him. Uh, so there's that as well. Um, 
you know, the big problem for me with the whole thing is you can't start 0-2 in a hex. That True. We just couldn't do it, and we did. I mean, we gave up games at the end, too. I mean, we should have drew Mexico twice. We should have never lost to them. So mm-hmm. I think that really, like, put us in a bad spot, and then we immediately reacted by firing uh, Jurgen, which I think most people think is a good thing, but, like, in hindsight, like, then we went to a different coach who's bringing in his style, and he got kind of just completely changed the roster, what we were doing. So um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Some players who were seeing time were no longer seeing time. And I mean, I'm not saying Jurgen did the right thing by any means. Like, obviously we all agreed when he got fired, he should be fired because he had no tactics. Uh, It was constantly changing. But my big person to blame is the players. Like they knew the last four games, what was at stake. And in three of those games, they didn't show up. So say what you want about the coach, but the players have to play and look like they want to win. And I didn't feel like that was the case in at least three of the last four hex games. So totally agreed. Um, I, I think I mostly agree with your guys your points and I'll just add a couple things uh, on the Galat, the Sunil Galati point. I've, I've really gone back and forth and I, it seems like you on, you know, Galati needs to be out immediately. That was my first thought. He needs to be out. He needs to be out. I mean, he's the one who hired Klinsman, who kept going after Klinsman, who kept Klinsman on after one World Cup when, you know, we didn't really have the results to say. Like, Yogi Love, of course, should still be managing Germany, but, like, we've kind of learned you shouldn't have a manager for more than one World Cup cycle. It's, even if they do a great job, it's time to move on. It's time yep. to, like, never gone well yep. for us. Um, let Jurgen stay on as technical director. That would have been, frankly, the best option would be, like, hey, Jurgen. You can be the technical director, and heck, if you want to like even look for other jobs, you can do that while you're being technical director of U.S. soccer. It's, you can do that. It's not a huge deal. Like It's clear that he had a huge influence in Germany reshaping their whole system for, uh, you know, if you get a chance to read Das Rebo, you should, which talks a lot about that and is complimentary to Jürgen in that sense. You know, he may not be a good manager, but he's a good organizer, good motivator. Um, so I definitely think it's Gladys' fault for not firing him, not, or for not moving on when he should have. Um, hiring Bruce was the correct decision at the time, but it ended up not being right. Um, but then, I, and I, I did, like, I know a lot of, I feel like a lot of I'm, what we're saying and what I'm going to say is repetitive from a lot of things that have happened, but that's fine. Um, total, shock, soccer so, total soccer show, that's hard to say. Mentioned it in their, like, weekend, week podcast that, you know, U.S. soccer makes a lot of money, and that's kind of what Gulati's done. He's he's running like this unpaid position and making a ton of money um, for U.S. soccer, which is good in the long run. Um, I don't know if you can really blame him for this, like you know, this lost generation thing, which we'll talk about later. But he's made them a lot of money. I don't think he's really done well with the women, and I think that's probably the the biggest reason why he needs to go. They're they're not on equal playing fields, literally. Um, even though they're significantly better than the men. Uh, but I don't know. Um, so I, I think I'm just kind of confused with Galati. And then, you know, yesterday for him to say, or in his uh, press conference on Friday for him to say, you know, the U S isn't really the U S MNT's job isn't to develop players or the U S soccer's job is not to develop players. When Bruce, you know, earlier in the week or a couple of weeks ago said, yeah, the U S soccer's job is to develop players. That's a severe disconnect. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That's not good. And the players, it is their fault. They were tired, but I mean, they're professionals. I don't know what more to say. Like Omar didn't do that on purpose. Omar is way more upset than any of us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I should specifically say I don't blame Omar because that was like unlucky. And most own goals are in the unlucky situation. And it's unfortunate because yeah. that person's going to. I just think they were put in position to succeed in my, that's kind of where I am. Um, say it again. I don't think the players were put in positions to succeed. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and that's a problem. Um, the last thing I, I do agree with you, everything you guys have said about Bruce. Um, one thing I think is interesting. And another thing that total soccer show mentioned uh, is that this four, four, two that Bruce loved and thought was kind of perfect where you have Bradley sort of as the one defensive midfielder. And then you've got the kind of two tucked in, you've got Nagby and then Ariola or someone else on the, right and left sort of tucking in and then Pulisic attacking with the top two. Um, didn't It only worked twice in the entire hex when he kept trotting it out. It worked against Honduras and it worked against Panama. But when we did it at Honduras, we drew and it was a disaster. When we did it against Costa Rica, they destroyed us at home. Um, when we did it against Trinidad, when we should have honestly played to get a result, to get a point, we should have defended. We should have had someone with Michael Bradley in a four-two-three-one, or even like a a five, uh, whatever, a three-five-two. We didn't, and that was a problem. Bruce didn't manage to win. He he managed, you know, he just threw out the same lineup because he said he didn't prepare for this game. Uh, so I think that's kind of a, a giant a giant issue uh, with Bruce. Definitely, um, definitely. So let's let's move on uh, with with the U.S. talk. Um, so just real quick, sorry, something you brought up. I'm just yeah. curious. I know that, uh, like you said, uh, Lois stayed with Germany, but I can't think of any World Cup managers who have been successful on the second run. I can't either. I agree. Like I think the- I think it's not just a U.S. national team thing. I think it's an everyone national team thing. I, I totally- think after a four year cycle. He, managers got to go for a national team. You got to bring someone in regardless of success. That's, that's an American soccer problem overall that we are way yeah. too easy on coaches. Look at MLS. Like guys keep jobs in MLS longer than almost any league in the world. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gets, it's a little bit of, of, of Jermaine Jones in there, which I know we'll get to, but like, yeah. It's crazy. Why, why do, like, Pablo Mastorini had a garbage season, then had a fine season, and then finally was fired? He was there, like, two years too long. And I, like, thank you for your service in America, Pablo, like, playing some great soccer, but we're a good manager. And even, like, I love, I think Gerholzer is a great manager for the crew, and I'm really happy they have him, but he should have been feeling pressure this year. Uh, and last year, when they had a terrible season, almost any other, um, league he was last year and i think it's good that he wasn't that's one of kind of the benefits but in america we're so afraid to fire coaches I, it's 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 weird because what i'm going to say kind of is davis adjace ambition hashtag ambition but it's weird i i don't know if it's like an american thing but it's weird that as americans we're comfortable in having rebuilding years and that's- and our fans being okay with rebuilding years, like we can say, oh, this is a rebuilding year and we're fine. We'll deal with it next year. And I don't know if that's something that like other countries 
have or have to deal with. Like even even as a Lakers fan, if we just go to something else like a, a dynasty sort of team, like the Lakers have been rebuilding forever, but it's understood as a Lakers fan, like you're supposed to expect greatness and championships, but it's still okay that you're rebuilding. And I wonder if that's just an American American sports thing. I, I think that's an amazing point, and I think it's true. I think it's a lot to do with the way we have drafts, and I think um, I think our like mindset has been, especially as soccer fans, has been kind of skewed by looking at in a, the NFL and even baseball and, and definitely basketball, when you can just kind of like tank, get a really, really good young player that no one else can get because you literally are the only one who is allowed to sign him. And then if he's great, then you're great. You can't kind of like buy and sell players or – can go look elsewhere for this great player when like you kind of can in MLS, but we still have that mindset. I, I think you're totally right. Like we, we kind of get stuck on that. Like, Oh, we can just rebuild and then and it'll be fine. Like yeah. let's consistency. We, we care more about consistency than, um, than trying to win now. And I think a lot of it too has to do with, uh, we want to, we're a little too like, we treat us managers with kid gloves, like Americans who manage teams with these kid gloves, because we're afraid to fire them. Like New York Red Bulls got rid of uh, Mike Petke when he was doing pretty well. Um, and then they hired Jesse Marsh. Who's done better. And frankly, after this season, I would probably fire Jesse Marsh because they only got sixth <laughs> and it's not, yeah. that's not good enough. You know, yeah. New York should be competing every year. They should, if they're not in the top three, if they're not, getting any trophy and they're I will be astonished if they win MLS cup. You got to fire them. It's, it's not good enough. Um, yeah. So do you guys think that there is a big problem with us soccer or a bunch of small problems that can kind of be fixed? That's sort of a, a broad question, but what do you think? Is this, is this a, a big, huge wholesale problem that needs everyone gone? Or is this just kind of a lot of little problems that, that we can kind of fix here and there? Uh, Brad. Yeah. Um, I think specifically with this cycle, the problem is we relied so heavily on older players when we have young, talented players who have played in international stage as well that we just didn't trust enough to try. Um, I think our U21 team and our U17 teams are pretty darn good and uh, we just, I we the only person we saw that was relatively young was Pulisic, and I think you know it couldn't have hurt to try some other players when we saw that the players we are bringing out were consistently a problem, and so I don't know if you want to call that a big problem or a small problem or a lack of trust or what, but yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree. Um, Renee, what do you think? Big problems, small problems. I think we, I think I'm in the middle. They're not yeah. tiny problems, but there's not like one massive problem. I think one of the sort of issues we have to figure out, and and I guess it's good that we're here, is, and Jermaine Jones talked about it in his thing, sort of about what he thinks we should do, is we have to figure out who we are as U.S. soccer, I think is our, our first issue. When you have... Two, co- two people, Gulati and Arena, talking about two different visions of what U.S. soccer is supposed to be. That is a problem. 
whether to figure out yeah. if these are pros or if we're supposed to foster and create good players. That's problem number one. Problem number two is figuring out if we're going to lock down and say, we're U.S. soccer. We have to figure out what U.S. soccer is. There, there was an interesting piece in the New York Post written by Tony Mayola about, um, about his gorgeous hair, his gorgeous mullet, um, yeah. but about how, you know, we've, we've tried to implement these programs in U.S. soccer to mirror other countries and use their systems to figure out how to be good. And he talked about how um, we had Carlos Quiroz from Portugal, and he was part of um, Project 2010, and how Project 2010 was that thing we were supposed to win the World Cup, and then that guy left. So we went from having this Bolivian style, um, or sorry, we had Bolivian style in the 80s and then the Portuguese style, and we were trying to figure out what the hell we were doing. And I feel like then we went to a a German style to figure out how we were going to fix our team. Um, So part of the problem that I'm trying to, I guess my bigger problem is figuring out who the hell we are as U.S. soccer and whether we're going to make a determination of our technical director, we want to foster American youth and American like players. And then our coach can be from wherever, as long as you fit into the system, or we're just going to say, we're going to adapt X country's system and make it work. I think that's, yeah, that's, I think, I think Clyde agrees. And then the other one is I'm in with Brad. Um, I was going to say, save it for later, but I think my biggest, and it came from, a dark place, so I fixed it a little bit. But if you're let the hate flow through you. If you're over thirty by the time our next World Cup comes around, you shouldn't be on the team. Sure to make it lower than that. Um, so sorry, Nagby, but if you're over thirty, you can't. You shouldn't be on this team. We have a lot of young kids out there who we have nothing to lose by allowing them to to come and play and just figure shit out. And I'm sure we'll get to the different things. But my bigger problem is who the hell we are as U.S. soccer. I really hate... Uh, yeah. Oh. I was just agreeing. Sorry. After I was just going to say, like, I really hate the excuse when we don't play younger players that it's like, well, they don't have any hex experience and the hex is so tough. And it's like, how the hell are they going to get hex experience if we don't play them? Like, this is that stupid thing that, like, millennials always complain about for jobs where it's like, yeah, I applied for an entry-level job, and they wanted three years' experience. Like, So it's just one of those dumb things. Like, our players, how are these young players going to get the experience we want them to have if we don't give them the chance to play? And the hell is just going to get easier, right? Yeah, it, it's really never, the World Cup now, so it's it going to be easier. Like the hex is actually getting tougher, and, which is good, I mean, because everyone jokes about how shitty yeah. it is. No, I get I, I too is getting is getting harder overall, but I'm saying it's gonna be easier to make the World Cup when we have oh, a yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it gonna get much easier. Yes. It, like, you know, it sucks. This is this one sucks. Twenty twenty two is gonna be tough, but that's it. The the hex will be probably gone after this year, even though there's still just gonna be the regular number of teams in twenty twenty two. Um but they want to change the hex. They want more teams playing longer, so it's probably going to end up with like the carnival setup, the ten team thing. Yeah, and and frankly, that's better for us because if yeah. we get to play Canada a bunch of times, yep, like Canada can absolutely get a result against Honduras, 
Yep. Um, but we're not, I don't, I'm not worried about Canada. I'm sorry. Maybe that's bad, but I'm no. not. But that's I'm part of the not. problem though. Shouldn't we be worried as U.S. soccer about those teams? Like yeah, I, we should. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Like as an El Salvador fan, I can tell you the U.S. should not be worried about El Salvador, but you go into El Salvador and you play against these like 17 year old kids who are playing to like save their family. Like it's, it's a weird, like, dichotomy of trying to figure out who we should and shouldn't worry about. But I get what you're saying. And we literally just proved we can't overlook anyone. So I know. Um, not to say, like, you know, that your point's invalid or anything, but yeah. I, um, I think, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Brad. I was, gonna uh, go I was just going to say, like, we kind of touched on the own goal thing, but, like, if no one's seen it, we should definitely watch the 30 for 30, the two Escobars. It's about on oh, yeah. Andre- yeah. yeah, with Andre no, yeah, yeah. in Colombia. That, that documentary Pablo. is really good. So, Pablo Escobar. Yeah, and Andres, the soccer player, right? Wasn't that his name? Andres Escobar and Pablo Escobar. It, it's the two Escobars. But they were both named Pablo Escobar. Oh, were they? My mistake. I thought it was Andres. Maybe I'm dumb. But yeah, I am dumb. You are correct. So, anyway, watch the documentary. Um, Don't people who score. <laughs> Oh, goals. No, his, name was, his name was Andres. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm dumb. No, you're good. I, I think I agree. I was definitely on, like, Tuesday evening. I was like, this is a giant wholesale problem. The lost generation crisis. Like, this is bad. MLS, like, U.S. soccer is bad. Um, I think I don't – I think I've kind of come, come, off, come back from the ledge. I listened to Jumper a few times by Third Eye Blind. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I stepped back from the ledge. Um, and – I, I do think it's kind of a lot of little little tiny problems. You know, Bruce was was a problem and wasn't good enough and frankly probably should have been canned early. We like you know, Mexico will fire fifty coaches in a cycle and then it works for them. They're fine. Else you get more pressure that creates pressure for people, players, coaches. Um I do agree with Renee's point that US soccer and the manager need to get on the same page, but what I kind of think I agree more with Gulati that US soccer's job isn't to develop players anymore. Um that's why they shut down the the U17 academy thing. Like that doesn't exist anymore and that's good because all of these MLS teams have academies and they, you know, US soccer can make 30 or 40 potentially good players, but like if you have this residency academy, how many of them will even be that good when if you every MLS team and then a bunch of random other places have academies, that's how you get 100 or 150 good players who could compete to play for the US. So I think I'm kind of leaning more toward Gulati in that sense that, you know, he could have said it better, you know, this was our job in the past and now we have to move forward and and help MLS and help clubs in the U.S. take that over. Um, but I, I do, th- I, I kind of am, am more on the, it's small problems because we, we frankly have the talent. This is the deepest we've been. We have, we had and have the talent to have qualified for the World Cup. That I don't think is a controversial statement. Yep. No, you're right. And we have the money. We had the talent, the money, everything to qualify. We just didn't do it. We didn't have the grit, the heart, the tactics, whatever you want it to be. Um, and that's what was lacking, and that could have been fixed and can be fixed. Um, so that's why I kind of want to talk about this. Uh, I think we should jump into this part now instead of waiting to where do we go. This kind of idea of this lost generation. Have you guys paid any attention to that? I, I know Brian Schiretta, Brian Schiretta wrote a really good article on American Soccer Now about this. Um, so are you guys aware of this idea of the lost generation? Uh, I'm not familiar with it, I don't think. I mean, I've heard the term toss around, but I've never like looked into it too much. 
Um, I think I think he called it the missing years. A lot of people are calling it this lost generation, the forgotten generation, where there's this idea that um, kind of guys born between like 1990 and 1995 just sort of have disappeared from uh, being good at soccer, and that those guys are like Breck Shea, uh, Ethan Finley, um, even Will Trap. Uh, uh, um, who's the guy that uh, with really good with Real Salt Lake went to Mexico and now is like on his like third or fourth MLS team? Um, crap, Luis Gill. Like, where are these guys? And the the issue was initially this is a giant failure of U.S. soccer. How are the how is this 1990 to 1994 95 group of guys not very good? Um, is that a U.S. soccer failure? You know, where's the problem? That's the same group of guys that missed out on a couple World Cups and two Olympics in a row. Um, I, I kind of was definitely on the camp of, you know, this is a giant problem initially. I think I might have changed my mind, but what do you guys think? You know, is this this missing generation of guys, including Mix Discrude in that? Um, I think he might be just on the older end, but, you know, does is this missing generation – kind of an issue. And, and the younger ones I think are fine. You know, everyone born after 95, um, we're doing okay with, you know, we've done pretty well in the youth world cups in the last three, three years. Hopefully we'll for the next Olympics. But, but is there this issue of this lost generation? I mean, aside from it kind of weakening our player pool, is this a U.S. soccer issue? Is this just an unlucky thing that happens to teams and, and countries? What do you think? I think there's part of it is, I want to say that I'm looking at the list of players. I think there's partly an issue of missing Olympics and missing youth World Cups. I, I definitely agree. But this list has players that did get to see time. Yes. It has, I mean, Nagmi, Corona, Breccia, Finley, um, Giazzi, the De Boy, Sebastian Leggett, Bobby Wood is on there, Yedlin, Morris, Agudelo. So these are all kids... God, they're younger than us. These are all kids that are that did get a chance. Now, obviously, maybe not a massive chance since we were still relying on older players, but it's not to say that these guys were like... When I think of missing player, I think of like Freddie Adu, right? Like the kid who's supposed to be the second coming or the first coming of the great American soccer player and then just completely falls on his face either due to his issues or someone else's issues. That's sort of what I th- think of when I think of this like missing generation um, of these kids that were supposed to be great. And I think he's right on the cusp, Freddie Adu. He's, he's um, the same age as Josie, in case yeah. you guys want to feel bad about yourself. Na- 1989. That actually just makes me feel bad for Freddie Adu. So that's what I'm saying. So I don't think it's that, I don't think it's that drastic. I mean, these kids got a chance. Brad, what do you think? All right, well, I mean, I I agree. Definitely these players got a chance, and you have to play the players who were the best players at that time. And if that was older players or younger players, like, that should motivate you to get better at your craft. Like, so is there anyone to blame but themselves kind of thing? I don't know really a lot about it. I mean, I agree with Renee that a lot of these players have gotten chances and like, but I don't, 
I kind of wonder if this lost generation also fell in between when we switch, we're switching systems as well. So they went from learning one style to another. I think and you're right. Well, kind of fell through the cracks because it's like, well, when we were in our very important developmental years, we were learning to play this way. And then there was a dramatic shift, which can be really hard. And you'd probably create some conflicts on what I should be doing as a player. So I think that probably plays a factor as well. I think more for me, they, I think they kind of fell in the crack between the, the U.S. being the, the one who has to produce all the players in MLS academies. Um, I know some of these guys went through academies, but like a lot didn't. Uh, Breck, wasn't Breck Shea just drafted? By, he went to college, I think. I don't think he went to college. Um, Are you calling him dumb? No, I think he was just really young when he came to play for uh, Dallas. But I think a lot of, I think what I think more than that is when you, when U.S. soccer is in charge of development and they can only find so many players, you can't have a million U.S. soccer academies. They don't have, they have a lot of money, but not that kind of money. money. Um, Brexit did not go to college. He went to the IMG Soccer Academy. Uh, so he was in the residency program. Um, he was drafted though. So he did go to the super draft. So he did not come through an MLS academy. Uh, but, so when you when you have MLS or US soccer in charge of it, you can find you can have a much smaller pool of players than when you have MLS in charge. And if US soccer is the one who identifies these players and has the um, I don't know the right word, kind of like the the interest, like you know they've bought stock in these players, they're going to keep trying to play them. So you're going to have other really really potentially good players fall through the cracks because they're just not there. They're in MLS, you know, U.S. soccer doesn't think they're good enough or U.S. soccer hasn't invested anything to them, so they don't feel like they should be playing them. But then that's, that's kind of that group. And then that shift of the guys born, you know, after 95 who had the ability to play in U.S. national or in uh, MLS academies, I think that's where the difference is changing. Like Tyler Adams, um, really good young kid for uh, – Dallas, who has played in the you know the residency program, but still is, or for New York, he's the uh, the New York Red Bull Academy. Um, and I think that's kind of the bigger shift is that all of these guys have been able to kind of be in an academy and hopefully get playing time for free. Uh, everybody outside of Dallas is a or uh, God outside of DC is a free academy. Um, but I kind of just think it's it's something that happens. Like, didn't England have the same problem? Who was good in Wayne Rooney's generation besides Wayne Rooney? That's a good question. Yeah, I can't think of anyone. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same problem. And they've they've also have really really good academies. Um, now they've got a bunch of really good young guys, which is cool. But I can't think of any like really really good players who changed things for England. You know in Wayne Rooney's generation. And that's not, you know, John Terry and uh, Gerard and all of them were older. They were that kind of generation ahead of his, but in Rooney's generation, it was kind of just him and a bunch of guys who kind of went in and out. Um, I think even Michael Owen is in that in Rooney's generation who was like a flash in the pan was super great. And then is just gone now. I think he's retired. Like, no, he's a little bit older. He's 37, but still it's is Joe Hart. I think Joe Hart's that generation though. Yeah, Joe Hart. It was like Joe Hart and Wayne Rooney. I don't, you know, um, that 2010 England World Cup roster. I know now I'm like trying to prove it to myself. Um, but I, I do think this happened. I think it happened with Germany kind of 
in the uh, earlier time when they had to kind of change everything, um, which I makes me feel a little better. Yeah, go ahead. I think uh, the U.S. like also has an internal struggle with itself as far as academies go. Like, if they want to do a national team academy, they're basically forsaking the league that they're trying to grow within their country. And that's, like, important to the U.S. is, like, oh, we have, you know, a league that's, you know, considered a top-tier league. Like, you know, they want to grow the league and make the league a better league. And if they're basically like, oh, well, they weren't good enough, they're just at an ML MLS academy, it hurts the growth of the league that they're trying to build at the same time. So it's definitely, like, a so, catch-22 because, like, everyone's, like, oh, we should bring in more players who go to Europe or this or that. And it's like, we need to stop using MLS players. And it's like... College, think, also, yeah. college also kind of screws it up, too. Yeah, exactly. I think fans in general don't know what to think. Like, yeah. should we and hate we, the MLS? Should we like the MLS? Like, should we be taking players from the MLS? It's a really weird, like, situation that I don't feel like many other countries have to deal with because of college, MLS, and, like, the urge to push players to go to Europe, which is what Jermaine Jones bitched about with Jordan Morris, is that, like, oh, he didn't challenge himself. He just wanted to stay home, you know? There. Uh, I'm looking at that England roster now, and so Wayne Rooney was 24 in uh, in the 2010 World Cup, and, like, the other guys about his age, Aaron Lennon, who's not very good, Michael Dawson, don't even know who that is, uh, Glenn Johnson. Who's Glenn oh, Johnson? cousin, Glenn. And Glenn, uh, Joe Cole. Nope, Joe Cole's older. Um, Milner, James Milner. I guess he's okay. Uh, he's been average. Sean Wright Phillips is in MLS now, or not even in MLS. And then Joe Hart. Like they had. That's kind of a disastrous generation for them. Um, so yeah, and Glenn Johnson plays for Stoke now. That's great. Cool. He's played fifty Stoke matches since twenty fifteen, which means he plays on the bench for Stoke. Um, there you go. Like England's had the same problem. I, I do think this is kind of, it's an easy thing to say, look at this lost generation, but it's, it's a little more, I guess it makes more sense to me to say, well, like, sorry, like these guys just weren't as good. That's what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so now the question I have is uh, where do we go? Where do we go now? And ha- slash, how do you fix it? You know, what, what's next for U.S. soccer? Do we need wholesale changes? Do you have a couple of small suggestions? Do you, do you just blow it up and start over and hire, like, someone else? You know, what do you do? What do you do now? Anybody jump in. You play friendlies against Canada. Okay. Thoughts and prayers. <laughs> we don't do anything. We just think about it and pray about it, and it'll all work out. Brad, I hate you. I think you do, but it's a possibility that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So one, figure out what the hell we're trying to do as U.S. soccer. Two, I am in the mindset of let's keep it American as much as we can for now. So bring in, why not just move Tab Ramos up and have him bring a lot of his kids up? Um, I forgot what number I'm on, so I'm gonna go back to two. Okay. Um, I think three. Keep them young. Keep them young. If, again, if you're going to be 30 by the next World Cup, I don't want you. I don't want you at all. Yeah. Keep them young. Um, so sorry, lost generation boys. Uh, seven. I think we need to figure out how to play for some of our players and 
Jermaine talked about this a little more, is how to make inter-country tournaments for the players that are here better and mean more. We need to yeah. figure out how to play Mexico more. We need to figure out how the CONCACAF Champions League Cup.com bowl, we need to make that more important. We need yeah. to, like, we can't be playing those teams in the middle of the season. Um, the Galaxy plays Cholos every once in a while, but it's always during the Galaxy's pre, uh, preseason. We need to figure out how to do that. We need to get these players. We need to get our players. And, and Brad mentioned a little bit of, of friendlies, but I mean, shit, what are we going to do next year? Let's play some friendlies against these teams. Let's send these kids down to El Salvador and just play these freaking teams down there for a while. Like, what do we have to lose? We, I feel like our, our teams need to sort of figure out and play in these crappy conditions and see how lucky they have it up here. Um, but I'm in on, on figuring out ways to play people more. So Tab Ramos, young kids, play CONCACAF teams more. Um, I think I agree with all of that. What both of you said, minus what Brad said. So just what Renee said. Um, I, I think you have to pick priorities for U.S. soccer. I don't think you need giant changes. Like, let Sunil be there, but I do think Sunil should hire a soccer guy. I think he needs to be the business guy, and he needs to hire a soccer guy. Um, let it be your technical director. You can work with him. You, you can have final say if you want, but get someone in that job. Um, I think U.S. soccer has a few priorities that they need to, to, to kind of undertake before the next qualification for the World the next World Cup in 2022 starts. Priority one is get young players as much playing time with the full national team as possible. Just bail on old guys. It doesn't matter if you win or lose a friendly. It doesn't matter. Like, figure out who is good. That's priority one. Priority two is lock up these dual nationals who may be tempted to play for Mexico or, like, Paris or Panama or whoever right now. I don't know if that means you have to get, like, a a coach for a little bit who speaks Spanish really well um, and identifies like with the Latin American community a lot more than Bruce Serena does or Jurgen Klinsmann does. But like, I think that is the absolute priority. Like, have you guys been paying attention to this Jonathan Gonzalez kid in Liga MX? Didn't we talk about him uh, like a couple podcasts ago? I brought him up, but yeah, continue. Uh, he was just player of the played- game, right? from Monterey um, and is really, really good yeah. attacking midfielder who has always played for the U.S. and, like, youth setups, but, like, rumors that Mexico is coming hard after him to try to get him to uh, switch to the Mexican team. So, like, players like Jonathan Gonzalez have to be the priority for MLS in the next – the immediate future. Like, year one, like, one to two years from now, you have to mitigate your, your losses from this and say, okay, Jonathan Gonzalez, we're going to – give you shots to play now to try to build. We'll throw you out there with Pulisic. We'll throw you out there with uh, like Weston McKinney behind you. Like let's do it. Let's have some fun. Not care if we lose. And that I think is important to me. Um, And play like the third priority I think is play, get as many competitive U S matches as possible, which means go to Copa America. Just do it. They invite you every year. Go play in Copa America in South America. You know what happens if you lose? Your FIFA rankings go down, and that's it. That's the worst thing that happens. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Go to every time you're invited, play that and the Gold Cup. The more games, the better. Like, alter, do like Mexico does and alternate. Play a crappy Gold Cup squad. You've or, we've already qualified for the next Concacaf Cup thing happening. So play a crappy team in the Gold Cup and go full on to the World Cup. 
in 2019, like, or the, the Copa America, just do it. It'll be fine. Like, yeah. The worst and I, yeah. Copa America and, and, and to that end, I mean, like, just play anyone. Just get these kids to fucking play together. I don't care if it's like American Samoa wants to play against us. Get us to play with these kids together yeah. so that we're not relying on a freaking camp like a week before qualifiers to have the yeah. match. A camp in which they're trying to learn a system that a lot of their clubs don't play. Yeah. Yeah. Super smart, you guys. Get them to play. Get them to play together. Don't think we should be super system-based. I don't think a lot of countries are. I mean, you know, Germany kind of has its thing it does. And what does England play? Spain. It's a 4-4-2 kind of. They play a 4-3-3. No, everybody's kind of playing the same sort of thing. Everyone, especially like in for Americans, you're playing in a million different like systems. So you know, we've got to make sure these players can can play in a variety of systems. Um, so before we get into Jermaine Jones, which I really want to do, let's talk about who do you hire? Who do you who do you bring in as the next manager? Do you look for someone who's going to hopefully be there for the next push of the World Cup, or do you just hire someone for a little bit and see how it goes? I go Tab Tab Ramos. Okay. I bring him in. I I mean, he's had success. He knows the American system. Um, he's doing well, I'm going to say, and he can speak Spanish. Okay. So if you want him to, and you know, he knows, he knows the MLS he's, he's played, um, did he play in Spain? I think he played in Mexico. I know. I know he played in Mexico. I don't know if he played played in Mexico. So he, he knows the CONCACAF. I, I'm all in on, on bringing up that Ramos. He's fluent in Spanish, I, yeah. I think. I might yeah. be wrong. He was born in Europe. So. Yeah. yeah. I so, assume so. Yeah. I, I mean, he gets it. He gets, he gets MLS. He gets our youth system. He played in college, so he knows the NCAA. Like, I feel like there's, he knows a bunch of pieces to what our system can or should be. Yeah. Brad, how about you? Well, I mean, Renee gave a legitimate answer, and I think a good answer. Um, I mean, I think the names currently being tossed around are obviously uh, Burhalter, even though he said he doesn't want it. Yeah. And I don't know. uh, Kansas City's coach, what's his name? Um, Peter Mies. Yeah, he's been discussed. I think Caleb Porter will probably be continue to be discussed. Um, Although Renee and I were talking about this offline, I feel like Caleb Porter might be Jurgen Klinsmann 2.0 in that he's always messing with his tactics and doing something weird. So uh, that could drive people absolutely bonkers. So, um, but I, I have no problem with Caleb Porter. Um, I, I honestly don't know. Don't hire Bob Bradley. Is that fair? Can we say that? Yeah, that's fine. All right. That's what I got. I, I mean, I kind of agree with Renee. I sort of want Tab to be the, like, official technical director. I don't want him to just be doing that job. I would rather him be like, Tab, your job is now technical director. You do this. You're like, all you, in on having a technical director. Like, you run U.S. soccer from the soccer standpoint. But I want him, I want him doing that more than I want him managing because I think, frankly, he's kind of just an okay coach. Um, I, I still don't think you try to hit a home run with a hire. You try to get someone who's going to bridge a gap between now and when we need to start qu- trying to qualify. And you've got to get someone who's okay with doing that. And that's sort of the issue. Um, 
if you want like an enchilada to do that, fine. But I mean, maybe that's why you have to go with tab, but I, I don't want to kind of be like tab here, fall on the sword for us soccer and be the guy who's there for a couple years because like realistically, do I want the, do you guys want the same guy who's coach in uh, March of this team to be the coach in 2021? Are you saying we need a Jesus? We need a savior, someone who's going to die for the U S men's and national team sins. I think we just need a gap, like a guy to fill in the gaps and to like not lose a lot. We need, um, we need like a, a caretaker. I hate to say that, but we do. We need someone who is well liked by young players and who will just kind of get things moving in the right direction. And maybe that's Tab for a while. Maybe you like say Tab, you're going to be the technical director, um, and you can be the manager for a while. But you know, we're going to like change when it comes time to like push. Or do you just like? I mean, I don't think any other national team is like trying to find their savior all the time like we are. I think that's kind of a U.S. thing where we think the coach can, yeah. can do everything. Yeah. Um, that's why I kind of think like maybe you just go with Oscar Perea now, finally. Stay. Like, like we need help. Work with Tab, at who's the technical director. Or heck, could you hire Oscar Perea as technical director? Like, people are good at The Dallas Academy is crazy good. Yeah. Can, can you just get him to do that? Pay him a lot of money. To, to be our technical director. I know he, maybe he wants to manage, but like let him do both for a while. Let him just kind of back off. I know like Perea totally knows the U S system super well. It's, it's interesting Colin, And I don't, don't want to, it's still yeah. part of something that you said your, your question and I've been percolating it. it. It's an interesting question to say whether we want the next coach to be here for a few months or a year, or if you want the next coach to be the coach for the next world cup, because like, I, I see both sides, but then I also don't – I'm weary of starting a system and then getting rid of a system and having to force players to – I guess it is their job – to sort of <clears throat> play a different different style. But your 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 technical director or your director of soccer and then a coach, I guess, could bridge that. I don't that's, – That's tricky. I don't know. I, don't, I, I definitely want to move away from a system. That's kind of where I want to be. Uh, yeah. I, I want to move more toward uh, – when you go into a, a a camp for friendlies, you should be able to. I, I want to make sure that that our players, our American players, and, and this this will transition well into the Jermaine Jones talk. I want our players to be able to go into camp and say, and the manager to say, okay, this is who we're playing. This is what my uh, tactics are going to be for beating this team. Maybe it's a three-five-two with uh, with wing backs running up and down the field. Maybe it's a four-four-two that's traditional. Maybe it's a four, four, two diamond. Maybe it's the four, two, three, one. Maybe it's a four, three, three that attacks a lot or defends a lot. I want to get to the point where the players can go in there, be told what their roles are, understand their roles and execute that game plan. That's fair. I don't want, I don't want to, to get fall in that Jurgen trap where we have to have a system that this is the U S system. We're going to run it all the time. I want to be a, a, a team that can be reactive and proactive with our, with our tactics and, and kind of move on with that. And I don't know, I think that's a, a deeper on a deeper level, and I think we can jump into the to the Jermaine Jones talk now. But I think that's a, part of what Jermaine Jones says. I'm gonna can I I want to throw out two more coaches' names, and before we head out, and it and it goes, and I've been thinking about it, it goes to your um, getting of Latin American players would be the two that I then one of them has been out there for a while. One is Miguel Herrera, who is still very successful. Club American, you leave that job, the best Club, job. In- that's what I was gonna say. He's at Club America, but he knows how volatile Liga MX is. They can get rid of him 
even if they're in first place. They will. Like, yeah. Um, and the other one would be Juan Carlos Osorio. It, it'll be interesting to see how he's going to do with the World Cup team. And even if they're successful, Mexico has no qualms about getting rid of people. Um, so I'd be interested in Osorio. But Miguel Herrera would be very, very interesting. I'm in on Herrera. Um, for team. But the issue I have with Osorio is – and this is this sounds weird, so sorry everyone who's listening. But so Osorio has coached, has managed in MLS before. Um, I don't believe he has ever managed anywhere near the Mexican border. As strange as that sounds, but stick with me here. Um, he did manage Puebla for a year, uh, but he's always been kind of in the north. He's he's a Colombian guy, so he does speak Spanish, but like. I'm not worried about losing Colombian Americans to Colombia. And that's why I think your Herrera point is, is a, is an excellent point. Like bring in Miguel Herrera, let him like run around and, and be like, he's, he's a very good manager. He's also like a great personality that I think would be kind of fun. Yeah. He'd be fired up. Tracked kids to play. Like Jonathan would love to play for Miguel Herrera. He can push back against the Mexican Federation. Yeah. As, and I totally agree with them. Go Mexico, go so hard on trying to get these kids, promise them the world cup and then don't take them. And like just see him to switch. Like you yeah. should absolutely be doing this. And yeah. I want we should do that too. Play it play a little dirty with this. Yeah. Don't you know? It's an interesting it's, point. Interesting point about Osorio. I didn't th- about about that. It's interesting. I didn't thought of that. I, I think we just Yeah, he's I mean he's a Spanish speaker, but he's you know, he's he went to college in Connecticut. Yeah. He uh managed the Metro Stars. He went to he, City for a while. Yeah, he was with City, he was with Fire. Um I you know, I just I don't think he's Yeah. Miguel Herrera, though. I'm all in on him. That would be World. amazing. I want Miguel Herrera. That's, I, if I could hire anyone, it would be Miguel Herrera to, like, just – his job is just manage a national team. But yeah. my, my crazy hire, which I think – I kind of love the idea, is remember when uh, Antonio Conte coached Italy and Juventus for a little bit? No? Okay. Just me? Cool. Sorry, yeah. No, I said, yeah, my, my mic was off. Yeah. Um, what if we got Pep? And did the same thing. And we're like, hey, Pep, we want you to manage the U.S. national team, uh, but we want you to be a part-time manager until, <laughs> until you're done coaching in Man City. Because, frankly, like this year they look like world beaters, and if they win everything this year, he's kind of done it all. Yeah. Everywhere. yeah. Um, so we say, Pep, we're putting our money on you to take us to the World Cup as a manager uh, and a player like developer. Like, for for a year or two, you're going to be a figurehead, and then you can really jump into it when qualifying goes. But like, you're you're a guy. Like, we're going to get a technical director. We're going to let you have as much say as you want. But you can just stick with Man City, and you're going to be our guy uh, with the U.S. We'll, we'll give you job security, like whatever. Like, here you go. I, that, that's fantastic. I think that's a crazy idea. That I, I love it. That is I, crazy. It's funny because earlier I was like I was. Not thinking of Pep, but I was thinking of uh, of uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name now. Not Pellegrini. Who was before Pellegrini? Was it Mancini? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. Yeah. Bringing bring some old, bringing some old city dudes. No, I was thinking of Pellegrini. Yeah, yeah. Bringing Pellegrini. What's he doing now? China? Who knows? Probably. But that Pep idea is delicious. That is a delicious, delicious dream. It's. Like he's he's 2019. He'll have been three years with Man City. Like next year, will be his third year. Like go for it. Have your third year at Man City. 
have a fourth year, 2020. Like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Like, we just want you full-time when we start qualifying for the World Cup. Otherwise, like, give us some input. Like, can we have a meeting once, a, once every two weeks? And um, Yeah, especially if he's able, and obviously I'd be rooting for it, but especially if he's able to win Champions League and EPL. It's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's done it everywhere. Like, bye. He didn't win Champions League in Germany, but do you really want to go back to Germany, Pep? Like, he speaks perfectly fine and good English. He, like, I mean, I, I can't imagine, like, the young Latin American population in the U.S. wouldn't, like, eat that up. Um, it's, I don't know. That's Very my, fashionable. Fantastic fashion. My crazy idea. He's only going to be 52 when the next World Cup happens. So. No, that'll be good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's good. I, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I don't know what we need. So let's, let's jump into the Jermaine Jones talk. Uh, for those of you listening who don't know what happened, Jermaine Jones went on a Facebook Live Instagram – or uh, Facebook Live Instagram rant. That's Instagram Live. <laughs> I would say. He's like an old man. He went on an Instagram, uh, a li- Instagram Live rant on uh, Friday and said a lot of things of which I agree 100% with about everything he said. Um, I'm going to kind of run down what he, what he said first before we, we talk about it and talk about our thoughts on it. Um, and please fill in any gaps that I miss if you guys want to. Um, oh, wow. I was just looking at articles and Sounder at Heart says, Jermaine Jones fairly called out Jordan Morris in his rant. Cool, cool. Like, good job, Sounders. Well, of course um, they're going to defend him. Don't be stupid. I probably have not settle down. That settle down. I can get it. Content. You got to have hashtag content. Um, hey. So Jermaine Jones started out and said, uh, "You know, it sucks to not qualify for the World Cup. This is a disaster. Like, very sad." Um, he said, "U.S. players." He totally agreed with Klinsman. Said essentially, "U.S. players aren't really pushed enough to go to to Europe." Um, he said they should try to go to Europe. Take the hard way. He kept saying, "Take the hard way. Take the hard way." Um, so that's, that's another point he made. Uh, he went on this rant about Jordan Morris, which was amazing, where Klinsman said, Jermaine, can you call Jordan and convince him to go play for uh, Werder Bremen? And he called him, and then Jordan said, oh, my dad's the doctor. I really want to stay in Seattle. My mom got my girlfriend and I a dog, and I want to stay home. Like, the dog comment was amazing. Like, that's what he said, and it's just so great. And he said, um, I'm, did I miss anything else? Like, he said he was a little bit repetitive, but... I feel like I'm missing something else important he said. It's easy. My thing that I was going to talk about, his thing is that MLS is too easy. It's yeah. too easy to get big money in the MLS. Yeah. Um, which I kind of agree with. Like, look at salaries abroad. Yeah. Not crazy. They're not like basketball salaries in the U.S. Unless you're like Messi or, or Sergio Aguero. But... So, like, what do you guys think about his rant? Do you agree with him? Do you disagree? Do you think he was too harsh? Do you think he wasn't hard enough? Like, what do you think? Um, one is I am all in on this rant one, because it's, it's the first time that I've noticed that Jermaine Jones actually cares about America. And that's weird to say from someone that's played for the national team and someone that I see him play for the galaxy. It's the first time that I'm like, okay, this is just how you are. Like, you're just this like sort of chill dude, but you clearly care about something on a grander scheme. And I don't know where I was going to throw it in, and I'll keep talking about Jermaine Jones, but on a grander scheme, you were talking about how hard it is to be a coach elsewhere but not here. I am glad that people like Jermaine Jones, uh, 
um, Lalas, uh, Twelman. I'm happy for these people to like start going in on U.S. soccer um, and be angry. I think yeah. that's something that 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 we need, and it's good. So, on an overall scheme, whether you like it or not, I'm happy that that there are people that like care this much about, and it'll put pressure on on the federation and the players and the team. So that great. Um, it's tricky on my end and, and maybe it's tricky for us because having been an MLS fan since 96, it's hard to see. It's hard to hear those arguments about the MLS being easy without thinking about where the MLS started and where it is now and where it can be in the future, where it's like you're choosing the easy side by just staying here. I think there's something to be said about how easy it can be to get a lot of money in us and the MLS. I, I, I get that point. Um, but it's, it's, I don't think it's entirely fair to say that staying in the MLS is, is the easy way to go because you still have to make these teams. Um, you know, Hopefully, you still have to get playing time. It's just a tricky situation. But, yeah, I, I agree with that. If players want to go abroad and play elsewhere, cool. That's great. I'm, I'm in on that. His Jordan Morris rant was kind of funny. And I remember it's probably like in the second episode of this podcast when we were talking about where Jordan Morris was going to go. And I was like, his dad is a doctor in Seattle. He's going to go to Seattle because he wants yeah. to be with his family. Yeah. So, but we yeah, also I'm talking about him getting a dog. Yeah, so. I'm all in on, on rants. I'm all in on those rants. Yeah. Brad, what you think? I don't have any problems with it. We constantly talk about how we want our young players to play in Europe. Our, currently, our best player is a product of a European academy. So I don't know what else to say about that. Like, Clearly, like we're developing better talent. The only player who looked like they knew anything on how to break down a team that was parking a bus was Pulisic. Yeah. Guess what? Pulisic's been a product of a European academy, not an MLS academy or a college academy. So I don't know. Evidence seems to like indicate he's right. Like maybe we do need to have more players in Europe learning. I think um, you make it. Oh, sorry. Colin. Okay. I'll jump in. After. I, was, I think there's part of that. I think we need to make it harder for players to stay. I'm out on relegation, so I'm anti-relegation, okay. uh, but I think we need to make it harder for players to stay on the main roster. And I'm thinking of like the LA galaxy. Like if you're, if you're crap on the LA Galaxy roster this year, why not just switch you down to Galaxy 2? And I know there are rules, but switch you down because you're, not, you're just not meeting expectations. I think it's, it's really easy to make money and continue to play in the MLS. I shouldn't yeah. say that overall because there are people that I'm sure are struggling and making the bare minimum. Um, yeah, that's but it's, but it's, it's easy to, to sort of succeed. I mean, I'm thinking of like even Gyazi, Gyazi Sardes. Fantastic. An amazing player on the on MLS before he got injured and now he's back and he's just like there. He's not in and it's just he's a wing. Yeah. But it's just like yeah. a malaise of all the galaxy. Like send him to Galaxy Two. Just send yeah. him down there and have yeah. him deal with it. It worked for we did it with Robbie Rogers and it was working fine. Now he's hurt, sadly. Yeah, sadly. Um I totally agree with the rant. Like I agree with all of it. It's too easy. It's uh you know we don't fire people. Um, so, you know, it's just, that's it. Like, I fully agree with him. And we kept saying, you know, 
Christian politics are wonderful. He does everything. He did the hard way. He did it the hard way. I agree. I, the, the part I do disagree with is like, okay, so we, he says, oh, going to Europe is the hard way. It is for us, but like <laughs> you're a German kid and you go play for your local Bundesliga team that happens to be uh, like Bayern Munich. Oh, that's so tough. Like it's not tough. Julian Green did not do it the hard way at all. Uh-huh. I, I just don't, I don't buy that with him. Um, I agree. I agree. The, the idea that doing like a German or EPL or international club game end up in the hard way is, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with well, that. Our league yeah. is developed as theirs either. Like our teams are still figuring out a development league like system like Europe. And I think once we have that in place where we have, you know, youth academies that are more European style, it won't necessarily be as a glaring, as big of a glaring, you know, obvious decision to stay or to go, if that makes sense. Um, and I, you know, I, I think we need that rant. I'm, I'm, and I really, I agree. With it was nice to see him not a, and I, this is hard for like me, especially as an American guy who's lived here my whole life, like to see Jermaine Jones, who born in Germany, who wanted to play for the U.S., who did, mostly because he wasn't good enough in Germany, even though he was very good when he was good. Um, to see him not even mention being German-American and just be like, we're too easy on each other. Like, this is, we got to be tough. We got to yeah. treat it like it's real. Don't treat this like, you know, like it's – don't treat U.S. soccer like it's the most sensitive thing in the world that you don't want to hurt its feelings. Was yeah. it really that was that made me really happy? I was like, you know, good for you. No, I agree. Yeah. All right, all right. that's all the thoughts I have. So thanks, guys. Bye. Um. So I think that's kind of all I have on on Jermaine 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 Jermaine's Jermaine Jermaine's Jermaine's and on who to hire next. Uh, Renee, do you want to talk about MLS or do you care anymore? Uh, I care. I'm excited. I, as an MLS fan, I'm excited to see the playoffs. I'm excited to watch the playoffs. I'm excited yeah. to, I think it's good for the league to not have the LA Galaxy Agreed. cloud being there in the West. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to, to watch. Um, I still put myself through hell and watch the Galaxy. I don't know why I'm still doing that. Um, but I'm excited to watch the MLS playoffs. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun. So there are 11 matches today, which is actually every team is playing today. Um, and then there are 11 matches next week all in the same day. I believe the Eastern Conference plays at the same time and then the Western Conference plays at the same it's time. It's our decision day or whatever. Which is going to be super cool. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to matter, at least for the East, with seeding. Yeah. Uh, Columbus is currently in fifth. Could theoretically get as high as second. If we win both matches uh, and New York loses both and Atlanta loses one, at least. Um, if Atlanta loses both or draws, then cool. But we, we could totally like get second, which would be great. Um, yeah, that would be cool. New York is more or less locked into uh, sixth, the Red Bulls, unless we lose both Columbus being we. Um, the Western Conference is also super tight. From uh, eighth place to uh, third place is eighth place to second place is only six points. Yeah. The eighth place team could theoretically get second place. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a super fun uh, week to, yeah, day. today's. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. No one will be able to hear this today, but it'll be super fun. <laughs> and then it'll be super fun next week. And then we'll probably, if we're not back next week, we'll be back with an MLS uh, playoff preview. Nice. Nice. Um, did you have anything on Americans in Mexico or 
No, no, good. I haven't been able to keep up. Pay attention to Jonathan. <laughs> He's good. I was going to say, uh, I feel kind of bad for Aaron Johansson. A tiny bit bad for that kid. Because he, he went from, What? He needs to get playing. <laughs> yeah, went from, went from Iceland to us. Now Iceland's in the World Cup, and we are not. Probably be starting for Iceland, too. Yeah, he probably would be. Heard yep. a lot. That's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. No one... That kind of sucks for that kid. He's also 26, <laughs> so according to that... my 30 rule, get out of here. Yeah. He can get us there, though. He just can't play in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Um, all right, well, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? I'm still out on Gulati. I hear everything that you're saying. I'm, I hear I'm, what everyone else says. I'm still out on Gulati. Just I'm, on the fact that, like, it's crappy for players, coaches, anyone else to fail at their job and be potentially removed. But the person at the top is failing at part of their job and gets yeah. to remain. You're right. But I, but I see what you're saying as well about how maybe he should just work like be like a dean of a university where the, all the dean's job is not to get students to come to your school. It's to raise money and make sure that the school stays afloat. So I get I, that. I, I, I would honestly not mind if we got a billionaire who wanted to be like president of U.S. soccer and, w- and w- said like, I'm going to run U.S. soccer like a business. From- <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome for that. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm going to do it where half of uh, – I'm going to just do the business side. I'm going to make us a ton of money. We're going to go to tournaments. And I'm going to hire a super smart soccer guy who does super smart soccer things. Yeah. And he's going to do all that. And if he's not doing a good enough job, I'm going to fire him. Yeah. And another super smart soccer guy to do super smart soccer things. Yep. Like not necessarily buy the team, but like or buy U.S. soccer. Like I think it was Costa Rica that had this like Japanese billionaire or something like bought the Costa Rican Federation. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, someone brought in a ton of money down there. Yeah. Pretty crazy, and I like it. Uh, and just get a get a super smart business guy to do this. And maybe it's Galati, but he's not sort of really done it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't know. Get Mark Cuban. How do we get Mark Cuban interested in U.S. soccer? Mark Cuban, maybe do this instead of try to run for fake president. Yeah. Why don't, yeah. What do you, yeah. Come over here. Dude, we'll do some Shark Tank stuff. It'll be cool. Gotta be amazing. It'll be cool. Um, right. But yeah, I'm still Galati out. I'm in on us being part of the new press generation that. Pays attention to U.S. soccer. Let's, call, let's, let's make our goal as, you, as Hello from the Offside to call out U.S. soccer more and to be more critical and not be, like, yeah. happy and nice. I agree. I agree. All right. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Go, uh, go be critical of U.S. soccer. Uh, America. America. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. From the- Offside.